Yeah, I I have found in doing doing this lap, I, I have found that Bruce's strongest work is always when he comes to it with a with a specific and intentional point of view, which yes. is why I think Tunnel of Love is is a much better album than I think a lot of people realize that it is because Tunnel of Love maybe more than any album other than Darkness on the Edge of Town or Born to Run has a very specific point of view. Like his point of view on that album is um is laser focused. And and pe- people I think missed that because they were so jarred by how different it was like coming out of Born in the USA. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is one of my favorite people. I know I say that too often, but that's because I love a lot of people. But Rob Carmack from the amazing Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet podcast and my good friend is here today in a special um, socially distance quarantine episode. How you doing, Rob? <laughs> Jesse, I am filled with warmth that you said that, and the feeling is mutual. I, I always, um, my day is always better when I hear from you. Thank so, you. Yeah, it's great, great to talk to you. So um, we are both in Texas. So how are you and your family getting along? Hey, uh, we're getting along a lot uh, because we have no choice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we have uh, three kids. Those who, who listen to our podcast probably know. Uh, uh, my wife and I have three kids. We live in uh, the Fort Worth suburbs area, and we have been in lockdown for – I think we're in our fifth week now. Uh, and, you know, we are we are getting along. <laughs> Some days better than others. So how about you and Linda? How are you guys doing? So it's funny. Um, Chris moved back in this summer. And um, and he was just talking about in January and February, okay, I've kind of saved some money. I'm ready to get my own place. And then this happened. So um, he's in the front room where I am normally. He's right behind me at that mm. computer station working. And then I'm in our family room on a laptop working. And Linda is in the bedroom going, I don't have anywhere to go. Like, <laughs> like if, I, if I leave the bedroom, I, I'm – um, I'm just going to listen to you guys on con calls or doing things. Uh, so that's what it's like when my kids have their zoom classes for school. Yes. It's like, we're, we've been exiled into our own, like we have to like go into the bathroom and just like, wait, <laughs> that is. Be done. and, um, <laughs> yesterday we had had a, um, we, we had someone, uh, come in and do some painting around the house. So there was not only the three of us, Chris's dog, and the painter, and and he kept, by the end of the day, he's like, okay, I feel like I know your business because I've heard all these con calls. <laughs> and so I, I said, yeah, it, it was interesting. So uh, we're surviving. We're all, I feel very blessed that I'm able to work from home. I know a lot yeah. of people aren't. Um, yeah. As we talked before we hit record, my, uh, my company is um, very, um, they feel like we're, we are going to be very busy come the summer because we are in the travel industry. We are in roadside assistance. Um, so our owner is 
very focused on let's do all the right things right things we do now that to be ready for the summer so i'm feeling good and um kind of I don't know about you, but I have my good days and bad days, right? Where I kind of go, yeah. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> it is wild, isn't it? It is. Um, how are you handling your church services? Uh, we're doing um, remote services. It's, it's funny, and I, I mentioned this um, at, during the first service we ever did. Like we started the, – the whole church began – um, I, I was fired from a mega church because I had made fun of their jumbotron uh, during a sermon, and mm-hmm. because and the person who had donated the money was very unhappy about that joke. And so when we started the church where I now pastor, we we entered into it with like fully like no technology. We're gonna just do the thing like whatever I can fit into the trunk of my car. That's what we'll own as a church. And so we'll just like set up in whatever like empty spaces we can find. And so like it's been very lo-fi. Like no no computers. No like just literally like a. a Post-it note that you can like, – like one of those big post-it drawing pads that you can stick mm. to, the, to the wall. Like that's what I would use for multimedia mm-hmm. anytime I needed to like show something. Um, and so we went from zero technology to if you don't have technology, you cannot exist in this space right now. So yeah. um, so I had to kind of learn on the fly, and I have, I have a good friend in, in Houston who's a pastor who kind of – uh, was very generous with his time and spent a whole day walking me through like how they do like online streaming services and so that's basically what we're doing right now and it's it's not a, a big operation like I just I, right before we logged on I saw a, a news story about a pastor in New Mexico who's suing the state of New Mexico because he needs his 30 person like media team in order to do their services streaming and I'm like man it's me and my wife in our living room with <laughs> like my laptop stacked up on a stack of books and me talking like that's it that's the yeah. whole thing and so. Um, and, and so it's, I think it's going okay. It's as going about as well as can be expected. So I don't know. That may have been a a hundred dollar answer to a $10 question. No, no, no. (laughs) That's exactly what I wanted to know. Um, you know, Linda and I both, um, attended, um, she, Holy Week, um, is always very special to her because it reminds her of her father. Her father and her would attend, you know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, you know, um, Easter Sunday, um, they would always be her to, and her dad together. So Holy Week yeah. would be something her and her sister did every year. It's kind of a memory of their father. So, um, so you know, we're sitting in the living room, um, either through YouTube or through the, you know, watching the Pope do this, <laughs> you know, Good Friday Mass. That's, you know, where you there's no one there. I mean, they just have the celebrants. And uh, yeah. here in Dallas, the um, the the Catholic bishop had did a both Palm Sunday and an Easter Sunday service that Channel Four showed. So we kind of watched that together. And um, I say this tongue in cheek with no disrespect. Church is kind of cool when you're sitting in gym trunks and a t-shirt, and if you think of something. Oh, I don't know what that means. And you can pull your phone and you can Google what their reference is without in without yeah. re, without showing disrespect to the person who is speaking or preaching. And and so there <laughs> is a uh, yet at the same time, we were both emotionally we found it very touching when the bishop, um, you know, says during this time, we need you to be safe. 
and we want you mm. we need to be kind to each other um so it was nice so um i'm sure your members of your church appreciate you being there for them well that, that's that's kind of you to say i certainly hope so it's it, it, it is a weird time and I, I i forget who i was i think i was just talking to jb about this but um it, it's a weird time to be in this particular profession because i mean obviously a lot of it is like public facing like a lot of it is is like public speaking and and trying to be a voice of hope in a yeah. any time like this and that's difficult because we're all sort of like dealing with the same uncertainty like i don't know any more than most of the people watching me you know yeah. so there's that element of it but there's also the weird awful element of part of my job is to be with people in their worst moments and i can't right now you know, like right. uh we just had a guy in our church whose father passed away and he and he didn't die of coronavirus he just died from being just other other circumstances that had nothing to do with it but um he couldn't they couldn't have a funeral i couldn't go be with the family the best i could do was send him a message and tell him like hey let me know if you need to talk and that's that's as close as i can get to being with somebody whereas usually my protocol would be like i would go over to their house and i would check on them and i would sit and talk with people for as long as they needed me to or i would go to the hospital if somebody needed me to and, uh, you know, you can't do that right now. And I mean, God forbid, so far, I, I hate to even jinx it, but so far no one in our church has come down with coronavirus. Right. Uh, but if they did, I couldn't visit them in the hospital. You know, like even if I wanted to, I like I'm not allowed to like that's you know, yeah. it's, it's dangerous for me to. So I um, so like the, the thing that people are most afraid of is also the thing that is isolating us and making us making it harder for us to feel connected to each other. And so that, that adds a complication to what is already sort of a weird job. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, all that to say, like, th thank you for, for saying what you said, because it is, it is hard to feel like you're offering any kind of hope to people when you can't, you literally are not allowed to be in the same room with those people. You know, I, I feel you because my mom is 80. She lives in Louisiana and I was talking to Linda, you know, I, she, I think she's doing all the right things to be safe. When I talk to her on the phone, she sounds like she is safe and doing the right things. But I, I'd like to go check on her. But, yeah. um, you know, then you wonder, will they let you back into Texas, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and then, uh, and we had that, once again, I say this out loud, but what would happen? My mom is 80. She has had health problems. Wow. If something happens during this time, how strange would that be? Like, how do yeah. you and, – and I've read stories of people online that have lost loved ones, and it's a very limited funeral, and people that you love and care about could not come. So um, I, I think there there is a lot of despair out there, and – one of the things that I know you are doing, not as a not only as a pastor, but as a podcaster, is trying to share joy and love by doing a silly podcast about let's talk about Bruce Springsteen's albums and yeah, let's and talk share. about Channel of Love for an hour. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about something we love for an hour. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm trying to do more episodes of people uh, because. I'm here. So like normally we're doing this at lunchtime. I would never be able to do a podcast at lunchtime. But since yeah. I'm here at home, it's pretty easy. Okay, I'm going to take a lunch break. I'm going to talk to Rob and then I'm going to put, you know, take my podcasting hat, put back on my work hat and then go back to work. You know, it, it just it's easy. Yeah. So I'm trying to do a little bit more of that. 
Do you find is it difficult just being in the same space all the time to to shift your focus? Like I I have a hard time being in one physical space and changing my focus from like okay I'm podcasting now I'm writing content now I'm doing taxes now you know what I mean like and I'm but I'm sitting in the same chair for the, for all of it. There's a part of me that feels like man I need to at the very least I need to like go like walk a lap around my block just to be like can like train trick my brain into thinking like i moved to a different space do you have any of that yeah i do have that and it's part i'm doing it partly because um (laughs) i podcast here and then Mm -hmm. i i ended up taking a different chair in the living room where um i can't really see the tv so i've taken Mm -hmm. for the past two weeks of i'm reading when I'm not working, like, you know, instead of having the TV on or the radio on, I'm listening either to a podcast or reading in one chair. Yeah. And then I have a different chair that I move to at night when I'm watching TV and I'm not working. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm doing that. So for that very reason, because if you, if you sit in the same spot all day long, um, it is kind of, that okay, w- what role am I doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and it's it's so funny because we're everyone's working from home, so you know we we've we kind of have to remind people with a lot of love in our heart. Okay, if you're not talking, you need to be on mute because I I know there's no way your six month baby is going to quit crying, and we don't. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's just a matter yeah. of fact. We've got to be able to do that. So mute when you're not talking. So that way, and then when it's time for you to talk, we'll just speak over the baby and it's okay. You know? Yeah. And uh, we, we do some some audio and we do through Teams. We can do video. So all of us have cameras. So you will see the kids run, you know, like that clip of the BBC guy where he's talking and these kids come in the background. You know, we oh, we're, do all, we're all that guy now, aren't we? <laughs> we are all that guy. You know, yeah. it, it never fails. I mean, like, um, you know, Chris will walk back and forth from this and I'll walk back and forth. And, um, and you know, like when the painter came in yesterday, Linda, who has not been doing much of this, was like, Chris is on a call. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're always on a call. Linda. It's okay. You just try to keep it down as low as you can. Uh, and, and just we, everyone, no one except the jerks are going to say, hey, can we get some quiet down there? Because we all understand yeah. what we're going through. Yeah, we, we've had that a little bit with my daughter's dance class because my daughter is – who is seven, by the way, she's Mm -hmm. a part of this dance company and they're very hardcore and they expect her to be in a room where she can tap dance and do ballet, but also to have no uh, outside distractions. I don't know how big they think our house is. (laughs) We have five people living here Yeah, and and they expect her to be able to do up to four hours a day of uninterrupted dance class. And we're like, and, and we, we literally have to – because the only place for her, for her to do that is in our dining room, which is also where we eat our meals. Yeah. And so, like, we've literally all, like, sat there eating dinner in front of her while she's trying to do, like, her ballet lessons or whatever. And her teachers get mad at her for, like, being distracted. And I'm like, what do you – what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like, what Where do you think we all live? You know? So, yeah. That is um, hilarious. I Back in the day when Chris went to um, – Catholic school, there was the 
expectation that um, it was a traditional stay-at-home mom, and the mm-hmm. two parents working was kind of an exception. Now, I think the reality wasn't it wasn't that big of an exception, but it felt like it, and we would often complain, like, okay, why why are you doing a parents meeting at ten a.m. on a Tuesday? What, who do you think can attend, right? Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. um, re, you have to embrace the reality of things now. And I, I, I get that it, it would it would be like, okay, this is ridiculous. When do you think um, we're going to have time for this, right? What, what? Yeah. And this today's, you know, in, with this environment, uh, that's that that's tough. That's real tough. Yeah, it really is. And yeah, you're right. And I think most people, most people that I've encountered have, uh, other than my daughter's dance class, mm-hmm. and I don't, there's no way they're ever going to listen to this. So exactly. I don't, yeah. I don't mind saying it. <laughs> they, they can be pretty vindictive. So I'm, I'm, I need to be cautious. But okay. um, other, other than them, everybody's been very cool about mm-hmm. like, all right, you know, like we all understand there's a three year old yeah. in the house, there's other people having other, you know, uh, like, like people have to be, I, I, I also have to do work. Yeah, you know, like we all have things to do during yeah, the day. In fact, uh, a guy I follow on Twitter posted this morning. He said he had a performance review with his boss this morning, and the boss said, "What do you think has been uh, holding back productivity over the last quarter?" And, and the guy's response was, "Well, I teach kindergarten from nine to 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm lucky. You know, Chris is, you know, 31, so I don't have that. But I, I feel yeah. for that, and and in fact. Our owner has said um, the schools are going to drive when we go back to normal because if, if the schools aren't in place, you know, what what can we do? Because how, how can we expect our employees if, if they have no place, if they're still teaching their kids? Um, yeah. And I did I did see someone and I, I – I, I wish I could remember who, but um, and they were joking. But they said, "What you should worry about is in twenty years we're being led by a generation that were taught by day drinkers, <laughs> <laughs> homeschool day drinkers." <laughs> oh God, that's funny. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, it is. It's very much the truth. Um, yeah. So. Um, turning to a little bit, you guys, um, for those of you who aren't aware, um, Rob and JB do do a podcast where their first season, their first pass was they took every Springsteen song in alphabetical order that's ever been officially released and discussed each song, A through Z. And, um, their second season is they're going through each album and not necessarily in depth with every song but they are touching every song unless it's the live where it was four cds of songs or three cds of songs. yeah there's no way yeah that would have been the longest podcast episode yeah it would have been like dan carlin's hardcore history if yeah. we had tried to do that so yeah. but uh kind of talking in context the songs the themes of the album what was happening in the world um you guys just hit tunnel of love if i remember correctly um, we did how how is the second round going and how different is it than before it's it's very different it um it i think for me at least it it took me a couple of episodes to kind of feel normal doing it because we were so like we did four straight years of song by song 25 minute five minute long episodes 
we talk basic facts, we talk music, we talk lyrics, we rate it, we get out. Like that was we we had a pretty like a pretty predictable format. And then all of a sudden we're not doing that format anymore. And so it took me a little while to kind of figure out like first of all, how do we how do we structure it? And then second of all, how do I edit it? And um, up until recently, we were I, I was doing we were doing a drop like a uh, a thirty second audio drop of every song as we would get to like as if we were all like listening to the album yeah. together. And since <clears throat> excuse me, since the the lockdown began, I've had to stop doing the drops. And the only reason for that is like I don't have enough time to like that. I mean, I'm you know you edit podcasts like yeah. It takes for every for every drop that's that's an extra. I don't know, like five minutes of editing. You've got to you've got to like add to the to, to the time. Yeah, At, I mean, you know, give it. So um, depending on like whether or not you even have the song, like sometimes JB in our bonus episodes, JB will reference something that I find totally obscure, and I have to go like hunt it down. Yes, and that takes me like more time than that. So, um, so the editing process has taken a lot longer for this, mm-hmm. obviously, because they're longer episodes and the production value. Uh, until until this last few weeks has yeah. uh, been a little different, but also just like trying to figure out like how do we how do we format this? How do we structure it? How much time do we need to allot for each song? Especially since we already have on record spent twenty to thirty minutes talking about each one of these songs. Like we don't re- necessarily need to re like revisit the same ideas over and over and over again, but we do need to talk about the, each song as it exists on like I, for me at least talking about each song matters to the to the extent that each song kind of determines what the album is. You know what I mean? Sure. So like, you can't talk about like I, I don't know like you can't talk about the river without talking about like why the ties of the bind needs to be first and reckon the highway needs to be last. Like that that's part like you, you have to sort of talk about it in terms of like narrative arc of the whole thing. And so and so we talk about each song not in terms of like each song on its own merits like we did before, but we talk about each song as as it sort of informs the whole, as if each one was a chapter in in a, like a book. You know, so. I don't know. Like, I mean, you've been, I mean, you've been listening. So, like, what 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 is your take on the difference between season one and season two? So, I, I I've actually liked this um, the take and you guys looking at it in context and mm. you know, kind of thinking of the album and and I do I, I do not find you guys are repeating yourselves very often. In other words, it's okay. um, it um, you know. Land of Hope and Dreams. Uh, every time I talk about Land of Hope and Dreams, I'm going to say it's one of my favorite songs. It means a lot, great dot to me. I mean, there's only <laughs> there is there is a multitude of things to say about great songs. Like we talked about Thunder Road. You can talk about Thunder Road for the next couple hours, and we probably wouldn't repeat ourselves. But for on sure. some songs, there um, it is a great song. It, you know, but that's kind of what we got to say about it, right? And so and when you guys were doing the first season, sometimes that would be how the episode ends. You're like, you got anything else? Nope, nope. Uh, it's a good song. We've kind of talked. We've rung all the content we can about this song. It's time to move on. Okay, JB. Yeah. You know, let's move on. And so when you're re-addressing it, okay, there's not much we can say about the individual song. But I like how you guys have found, okay, well, how does this jigsaw puzzle of an album fit together? And, oh, cool. Uh, um, and I think, I think like when you get to High Hopes, you can make the argument that wasn't a jigsaw puzzle. That was a mosaic he put together just because he felt like recording and he, he felt like he was putting together. He had some outtakes that he wanted to do, and it was just – I felt like – doing this album 
He didn't necessarily have yeah. a message to share. And I think that's why some people may not like High Hopes as much as others. Versus, yeah, like, a, for sure. like, Wrecking Ball, he had a theme. He was trying to tell a story. Um, he, as you guys very clicker, Born to Run, he was inviting us to a journey. And, and it, he has a specific narrative. Um, as you just said, the river. There is a reason why we start with Ties the Bind, we end with Wrecking the Highway. So I, yeah. I think you guys have done a really good job of that. And it's just always fun hearing y'all's voices and um it you it is like catching up with old friends every time the new episode comes oh man that's cool of you to say thank you yeah yeah i i have found in doing doing this lap i i have found that bruce's strongest work is always when he comes to it with a with a specific and intentional point of view which is why i think tunnel of love is is a much better album than i think a lot of people realize that it is because tunnel of love maybe more than any album other than darkness on the edge of town or born to run has a very specific point of view. Like his point of view on that album is um, is laser focused, and and pe- people I think missed that because they were so jarred by how different it was, like coming out of Born in the USA. But yeah, like a- as we go through each one of these albums, that that's like to, to what you're saying. I I've, I have found that it, it's so interesting to talk about these albums as it exp- as each album is an expression of a specific like point of view. And I mean, I say that realizing like we're about to enter into the nineties, which is kind of Bruce's like wandering into the wilderness. Like the nine, the nineties is definitely Bruce's like decade of being in the wilderness. And so, yeah. um, I think the themes there are going to be a lot less cohesive ghost of Tom Judd, notwithstanding. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know what I was getting at there other no. than just like, yeah, it's been, it's been fun to sort of explore the point of view of each album. You know, um, I have an episode coming up, um, where the um, the professor um, Ken, I'm drawing a blank on his last name. I think Campbell. Um, it was in the newspaper that he is offering an American history class at Monmouth University, using Bruce Springsteen's music to talk American history. And, oh my gosh, I love that. Oh, it, it yeah. And so he talks about that, um, you know, greetings and uh, Wild and the Innocent are in context with the Vietnam War and how that mm. influenced it and how yeah. the, the and obviously born in the USA post-Vietnam. And so, and they will get to the bank crisis and the Bush administration with magic. And, um, and he says his premise is that the songs, when we mix it in with the context of the times, it helps us to tell the story of American history and that Bruce is Mm. trying to tell that story. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Really good. It it was a great discussion. I was really impressed with him. And, um, and he said very quickly, it's an upper level course. And so very quickly people realize this is not a free course that, um, Oh, I'm just going to listen to some Bruce Springsteen music and I get an easy, easy credit. No, this yeah. was it, it. There's a lot of reading and going on to so that you understand the whole of context. And I think you're doing a similar thing, right? Like you're going to talk about, you know, when he's doing Lucky Town and Human Touch. You know, what what was he going through at that time, and you know, what was the thought of why two albums at the same time, and and what the different themes. And and so I'm looking forward to hear you guys discuss that. Oh, cool. Does, um, does your friend get into Hey Blue Eyes? I think, I think that's, um, 
I think that's the best non-album Bruce Springsteen song, and it's so specifically about a thing that happened in American history. I I will ask that next time I talk to him. I think I don't. He did not specifically bring it up, but I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I would love I would love to sit in on the class where they talk about Hey Blue Eyes. Yeah, that is a that is a messed up song. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, uh, about a messed up series of events. Yeah. Well, and you think about American Skin, right? That there is oh, that. God. Yeah. You know, just that's a whole story of of in that of the the tension between you know um citizens and the police and how both of them um there's so much to go in in that song um so he does mention that's a specific one they cover about that nice. so i'll ask him about hey blue eyes that's good well it's, it's interesting too because yeah he's chronological or he's um chronicling american history but he's also he, he's chronicling like what it means to be a person and to like grow old because yes. like the, and, and this is the thing that we've continued to talk about as we sort of progress through the albums, which is Greetings from Asbury Park is is about a wide eyed kid with time on his side and dreams as big as he can imagine. Right. Like um, does this bus stop at 82nd Street? Hard to be a saint in the city. Like th- these are these are songs about somebody growing up like these are all songs about people who have nothing but hope and imagination. And then you sort of move through, you hit Tunnel of Love, you like heartache, um, disappointment, rela- relational like meltdown, all the way through Western Stars, which is really a song about getting older. And it's a song about reckoning with your own like stage in life, like you're, 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 you're aging. And like the, the song The Stuntman, you know, about how, like just all, all these songs about like what does it mean when I can't do the things that I used to be able to do? When I, I used to take it for granted that my body could handle this kind of thing and now it can't. So it's interesting because I mean, on the one hand, exactly what you're saying. Like he's he's chronicling American history through his own life, and what's going on in the world is directly in what he writes about. But also how he feels about his own stage of life also informs yeah. what he. And he's such a good songwriter, and he's so good at articulating these things that most of us could never put into words. That he's what he's doing is he's he's giving us this beautiful gift of he's putting into language things that we feel intuitively, but we don't necessarily have the imagination or the vocabulary to, to say on our own, you know? It, you know, when you think about it, that it doesn't feel like Western stars. It, it feels like he's recording it now, even though, you know, supposedly he'd had this in the can for a while. And, mm-hmm. and maybe he knew that he wanted to wait to a certain time to share. But yes, I agree. I, there's a lot of that album about uh, growing old and, and, coming to acceptance and when we when you look at the film western stars mixed with the album not only do you get the beautiful live performances but the the narrative between that yeah compared with his the and this is not unique right his biography broadway and then that that is a trilogy of self-reflection that's pretty strong I think so too. In fact, I think I mean we're all like stuck in our homes, and those of us who don't have kids who occupy the TV most of the day yep. or the screens, um, a great double feature for when you're quarantined and you have nothing else to do. Watch Springsteen on Broadway, and then immediately after that, watch the Western Stars documentary, and you will get a full picture. You will get the entire seventy-year journey of Bruce Springsteen as a human being, and you will find yourself in that story as well. Yeah, I agree. I I think so. Yeah. I think. Um, one of the things we mentioned before we hit start is your little Steven comment, right? That people don't want to hear songs about you. They want to hear songs about themselves that you're sharing or 
basically I'm, I got the quote wrong, but you know that's no, I mean sentiment. that's basically it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, Bruce's true gift is holding a mirror up to his listeners and saying, "This is this is the thing about you that maybe you don't know right. how to put into words." You know? I think so too. Um, yeah. Do you? Um, how long? How long do you think this second pass will take you? Have you have you guys figured it out? Um, n- not as long as the first one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're already through the '80s, so yeah. um, we'll we'll do. I mean, if we do one week per album, and then I'm I'm thinking we may do kind of what you did um, with tracks, which is yeah. like devote one episode per disc. Yeah. Um, that'll be sort of an interesting kind of exploration because I I think having I'm I'm interested to, to once we get to tracks because what it will do is we'll be able to look back on the body of work that we've already explored and kind of go through like how different would things have been had he thought like if be true had ended up on the river like just to, yes. to do the sort of sliding doors alternate reality in which like various songs ended up in various places and kind of talk about like why do you think he left him off and, like so that'll be interesting so but that that'll take us a while like tracks alone will take us a month if we do yeah. one episode per disc so. which I think is a good idea. I think so too. I mean, it's it's significant enough as a and, and quite frankly, when we first started this, tracks was kind of the motivation for why this was like the the first lap was so interesting to me at least, which was like nobody needs to hear me talk about why Born to Run is a good song or why Jungle Land or, or, or any. But but the thing that I think something a podcast like this might be able to do is legitimize and bring into the conversation songs that no one is talking about, like A Good Man Is Hard to Find. Or um, car wash, or you know, like all, all these songs that are like I like good, like some good and some not so good. Yeah, like but songs that, that yeah, that like, Bruce gave us and like yeah, okay, oh, yeah, like Lions Den. You know, it, yes. You know, yeah. How often is he gonna? But you know, it's you know, it's a song based on you know the story of Daniel. I mean, you, you it's know, a it's, song. it's yeah. a Bible song, and you're right, and um, and you wonder. There's many questions I would ask Bruce if I had a chance to sit down with him over <laughs> drinks. But, you know, did he never do that Rockabilly album because he – at that point in his career, he wanted to tell a theme and a story and just didn't want to make a collection of fun songs, right? I think that's it. I think that has to be it. That that That's the yeah. only explanation for why so many good songs ended up on the cutting room floor or being given to other artists. Yeah. Because and, and I think about this a lot, too, because Tom Petty is my, my second favorite artist. And sure. I, I, I spent a lot of time mentally comparing Tom Petty to Bruce Springsteen. And one of the major differences between Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen is that Tom Petty was writing radio hits. Like that was yes. like his whole goal was I'm going to I'm going to each album. I'm going to pack with songs that would, would sound great on the radio. And he was the master of it. Like yeah. the number of. In fact, after Tom Petty died, I know so many people who were like, man, the radio station I listened to was playing a bunch of Tom Petty songs. I had no idea all the songs that I already knew were Tom Petty songs. Like, yes. you get that a lot. You don't get that as much with Bruce Springsteen. Bruce no. Springsteen doesn't write radio hits. He writes, no. he, like, he's he's playing a longer game. And that's why he's never had a, ra- a number one hit single. But that's also one of the reasons why he's such an interesting songwriter and why he, he's not he's not aiming, like, they, they were just aiming for two different things. Yeah. And so exactly what you're, what you're saying, like, I, I think he was... I mean, I think he wanted to have radio hits. I think he was thrilled when Hungry Heart was a was a hit single, and I think he really wanted Dancing in the Dark to get to number one, um, which obviously it never did. But but I think more, I think he was more interested in making a statement and and expressing a point of view than he was in commercial success. Um, otherwise, because of the night never would have been cut from Darkness right. on the Edge of Town. You know what I mean? Sure. 
absolutely. Um, it it would, and um, you guys have discussed this, and um, it would be interesting to make your own pick a number 10, 12 disc rockabilly, you know, album. Yeah. What would you pick, you know? Uh, might be a future podcast um, topic I may have. I would track your own Springsteen, like, do yeah. or rockabilly album. Yeah. yeah. That would be interesting. That would be very I, fun. I would... Yeah, I'd be up to that. Good. For sure. Um, so, um, so as you get through that, then, uh, lap three will be any songs that have been released, correct, that, that weren't covered in the first lap, correct? That, that was the original plan, but now with this whole situation, like, cause the, originally we were told, the fans were told that coming in 2020 was a new E Street Band album. Yep. So what we, we were trying, what we're trying to do with this second lap is hold off and like stall for time so that Bruce has time to drop the next thing so that we have more stuff to talk about on the third lap. But like, who knows, who knows when another album's coming, who knows when any new material is going to come. So we may just, by the time we get to the end of this season, we may just have to just kind of like shrug our shoulders and say like, okay, well let's just go back through. We'll do Western stars and we'll do uh, the various songs. Like um, I'll stand with, I'll stand by you always from the blind Mm -hmm. of the light soundtrack. Like there's a handful of songs that just, yeah, in various places have released since we started that we didn't have a chance to cover. So we may just have to do lap three as sort of just like a the lint basket of stuff that we just didn't catch the first time. Yeah. And then if he puts out a new album, maybe we'll just like log back on and just do that album one song at yeah. a time. I it, it's hard to say, like of all the things that COVID nineteen has screwed up in my life, this is one of them <laughs> yes. that we're not getting new Bruce Springsteen material as soon as we maybe had hoped we would. So yeah, I'm. Um... One of the things that Linda and I had talked about doing more of is, um, and we definitely are focused on it now once this ends, but we had Eagles, we had tickets to see the Eagles uh, on March 17th, you know, got canceled. Um, Lily Hyatt, who is John Hyatt's daughter, has a new album out, which I really like. Uh, She was coming. Yeah, she was coming, and so I had tickets to see her. And then I had the Monkees. Michael Nesmith and Mickey Dolan awesome. are coming, and I was going to see them, and I was so excited. All postponed, right? Yeah. So I, I had tickets to uh, to a, a screening, an anniversary screening of the movie High Fidelity, hosted by John Cusack in Dallas. Oh yeah, I saw that. That would have been great. That would have been amazing. That's one of my favorite movies, and yeah. I was so excited. And it obviously got canceled. So yes, yeah, yeah, man. All right. Well, lots, lots of things we're losing here. Well, yes. and I mean, I mean, these, these are these sound like minor things, but like over time, it, I mean, this is a much deeper conversation. But at a certain point in at, towards the end of this, we are going to have to reckon with all the things that we're, we have not had a chance to properly grieve. And that's not just like people who have died or um, or like major events, just like the little thing, like the little moments of hope and joy that we had planned in our lives that didn't get to happen. You know what I mean? Like family vacations and like concerts and events, like th- things that are new Springsteen albums, like all the things that we sort of in our hearts had sort of held as a, as a point of optimism and hope that did not happen. Like all those things are going to have to be grieved. One of the comments, and it's kind of joking, but if there's a lot of truth to it, um, we said before this happened, you know, when we ordered Uber Eats because we were lazy, not because <laughs> we had no other option. Um, yeah. and, and I don't, and I'm sure we will go back on this, but at this point, Lynn and I are like, okay, you know, we need to go out to eat. 
on Friday night. <laughs> you know, we need to not be lazy and order food in. And uh, and there are people that that were now going, well, gosh, like Jeff and Nancy Carraway, you know, live in the Dallas area. And we've met just a couple of times. You and your wife are like, we should make plans that mm. on every other every couple of months we should get together because we're we're in the same area we just should be able to do this and see and break bread and and just enjoy each other's company um yeah because now that we can't and there's no reason why we shouldn't except we're busy and we're doing other things and but now that you can't have that you know Linda's like you know we should be going to the local um, theater productions, you know, the Louisville theater or, you know, um, a Plano community theater and see those plays and not only big concerts, but small concerts. And, and I hope people do get into that, um, swinging back to seeing that kind of art and supporting it once this ends. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I, if, but let's say, let's say, Governor, who, like who, somebody in charge, somebody with a lot yeah. of power said, we've discovered a button and we can push this button one time. And what the yeah. button does is it puts a frequency in the air that makes coronavirus non-transmittable for 24 hours. So we're yeah. going to push this button tomorrow morning and you, everyone is free to go and do whatever you want to do for 24 hours. But then after the 24 hours, the button is is done and we have to go back to social distancing. What, what would you do with your with the 24 hours? So one of the things we had done, and we have not done this in over three years, the last time we did it was um, 4th of July after March was when I had surgery for my colon cancer. And in July, I was in the middle of chemo, but things were doing well. And we had a massive get-together at the house. And we used to do this all the time. We would, um, you know, we we call it the village. When Chris was younger, mm. we had all these, you know, we worked, and, and Linda had friends at her job. I had friends at my job. We stayed, even when we moved jobs, we stayed. And so we would have anywhere from 20, 30, 40 people come to the house in and off all day long, and we would just, it'd be very simple. We'd have burgers and hot dogs and, um, you know, chips. And we'd have plenty of soft drinks, plenty of beer, and, and just would enjoy company. Yeah. And, 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 and then, as Linda said, you don't get to visit with anyone that much. So we started doing smaller groups. But we said, this July, provided knock on the door, we're going to do a Jackson party. We're going to throw yeah. it open and like you, you and your wife and bring the kids and just an open house party starting at two to whenever you want. Come go. Let's just visit all the different friends and people in different parts of our lives, meet and visit. So that's what I would do. I, I would, yeah, I would good, do man. that. Yeah. How about you? I don't I go back and forth. I mean, like if, if it's just me and I'm not responsible for, well, it, like as, as a, like, a pastor and a person in the community, what I feel like I probably should do is something similar to what you said, which is um, we, I should like hire all the local vendors that are owned locally near near the church where I work and set them up in the parking lot and just have a giant um, like catch all buffet and just invite whoever wants to to just come and hang out and we'll pump, we'll we'll blare some music through the air oh, yeah. and just all enjoy a meal 
Um, but if it's just me and I, I don't have access to that and it's just me and, and my family, probably what I would do is I would spend the first half of the day uh, taking my kids around to see all their friends. Yeah. Um, and then and then after they're all tuckered out, then um, I, I would get a babysitter <laughs> and my wife and I would go to Alamo Draft House, see a movie and eat until we hurt. That sounds great. That you know? sounds really good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All those right. are. Those, those, yeah, those are my two my two varying answers. All right, I, I <laughs> like that. I like that a lot. So uh, that sounds a great plan. Um, it's, it's fun. The things I miss the most, I, I no 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 joke. The thing I miss the most is going out to eat a good meal and going to a movie. Like the, yeah. like that is the thing. If if I could just like if I if I could wear a coronavirus proof like cloak and just go about my life and go 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 through the world, that's what I would hope to do. I would just go to a movie. And eat a hot baked pretzel from Alamo Draft House. Oh, absolutely, and and to to see friends, and uh, so yeah, yeah. That's we we've started a list. Linda says I want to go play putt putt. She goes, you know, the last <laughs> time we played putt putt, I said I cannot remember. She goes, I want to go play putt putt. She goes, I don't necessarily want to go bowling because I'm bad at bowling, but if you wanted to go bowling, I'd go bowling. But she goes, I just want to go do some of these things that we go, eh, we can do that anytime. And now that we know you can't always do it anytime. So that's a good thing. Well, it's, it's almost like, like we're all sort of, it, I, I realize this isn't necessarily what it is, but it's, it's not unlike when we sort of have to face the reality of our immortality and the reali- realization that our time and our attention and our energy, these are all limited things. And I mean, you not, not to totally bring it down, but you're a cancer survivor. Yes. So I'm sure you, in in those moments, I'm sure you had to sort of deal mentally with a lot of these things, things that all yeah. of us now are dealing with, which is like, what what if I don't have enough time? And yes. what, like, what would I do if I had more time? And I, I'm sure you already had to sort of do those mental exercises, right? Yes, absolutely. And so what was that? What, what was that like versus what this is like? So um, part of it was um, you you were trying to get through the chemo and doing it every day and by nature i'm an optimist so i never i never felt like i wasn't going to get past this in fact it's funny mm-hmm. um you see on tv people um dreading um like oh it's time for my checkup um when i do my every 6 month checkup i don't worry about it at all till i park the car and i'm walking into the doctor's office and i go hmm you know, my life could just go to blank if they tell me that the screen didn't come out right. And that's yeah. the first time I think of it. Then they tell me everything's fine and I'm good. I do not – I'm blessed that way as I just tend to be um, – as Linda said when we first started, when we were first married, she was I used to think you're just too stupid to worry. <laughs> and, but now that I understand <laughs> – she goes, I now understand that's just not your nature. You're just not going to dwell on the negative. You are going to always assume things are going to go well. So I think yeah. that's part of it here. Um, and I, since we're talking, um, you know, Pastor Rob, I think that's one of the reasons why this was very shocking to me is because being an optimist, I'm like, oh, this COVID-19, this isn't anything. It's not going to affect us. You know, we're going to be fine. Every, you know, and and then very quickly, no. we. And mm. I do think ultimately we'll be fine um, after too much loss and too many people uh, being sick. And we're going to lose too many people. But um, 
it, it is a shock to the system that holy we've shut down the world that you know there are people and you know monday morning feels just like good friday was a holiday for my company i i mm -hmm. didn't have to work and it didn't matter i mean okay <laughs> right yeah i'm, I'm sorry I'm, so i'll sit in my house and not work then <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah yeah um any final thoughts rob on what on, on anything <laughs> do you want to give us a, a lot the, any any final words of encouragement you want to share with the listeners any advice uh i mean i <laughs> advice advice is a thing i feel uh I, I'm in short supply of for sure. Okay. Like, and um, I say that like it, it's weird. I've I've done four online church services where a lot of times people assume that what a sermon is is like a a speech about how other people should be living their lives. I I try not to make it that. My my hope is that it can just be sort of a a word of encouragement or a new sure. perspective on kind of like what it means to be human in this moment. And so, because because quite frankly, I I. I probably feel more anxiety about all this than most of the people who go to my church do. Yes. I, I tend to be a worrier at heart. And so um, I, I need, I need some of the Jesse Jackson energy that says like, ah, oh, it's going to be fine. Like I, like there are, yeah. there are definitely days where I think like, man, I just, I need a, I need a quick dose of that today. Um, that said though, I, I do think, um, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've been trying to sort of like process through like, what, what do people need to hear? What, what, what is an honest, like true good thing to, to be sharing with people? And, um, I, I would say like whatever it is that's getting you through, it's okay. Like I, I, I tend to be a person who beats up on, I tend to beat up on myself if I'm not productive enough during the day. Um, and, and I think there is a thing about being at home with access to internet all day long and, um, and my to-do list, like the, like I, 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 I can, I can have a lot of like productivity guilt about this moment. But I also like, and, and I, this is not original with me. I, I I'm borrowing this from other people who have shared this with me, but basically um, we're, we're all going through a trauma together. And when you're in trauma, you cannot produce at the same rate that you normally would be able to, no matter, no matter how resilient you think you are. And so, um, and so give yourself permission to, to do things that enjoy that you enjoy, uh, give yourself permission to resist the, the natural, um, the natural bent towards like agony and despair and hopelessness. Like even if it's like, give yourself like plan 30 minutes a day to where you refuse to check the news and you refuse to be in the worst case scenario mentality. And, um, and for me, I, I, I share this on uh, my, my other podcast, but, um, for me, one of the things I, I try and do once a day is I put on a vinyl record and the vinyl record is sort of my brain's way of saying like, I'm not checking the internet. I'm not worrying. I'm not going to sink into worst case scenario thinking. I'm like for as yesterday it was more songs about buildings and food by Talking Heads, and for as long as David Byrne is is singing, I I am in a happy place. I'm in, I'm in a good space. You know, when the record's over, I can go back to whatever it is. I I, I will give myself permission to re-enter that space, <clears throat> but um, for for this moment, while the record spins, I will choose to to give myself the best possible outlook on this. I love that. That's a great thing. Well, um, Rob, how can someone find you? Uh, well, on Twitter, I'm Rob at, at, just at Rob Carmack. Um, our podcast that you mentioned before was uh, is Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet. My co-host JB and I were doing a album by album. We just hit Tunnel of Love. We're going in chronological order. So next up is going to be uh, Human Touch. Uh, get excited about that. And so yeah, Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet. You can find that on iTunes. We're at alphabeticalspringsteen.com if you want to find our website. Uh, 
I, I pastor a church where I preach an online sermon every week. Uh, it's uh, collectivechurch.net. We have, we podcast that as well. I, th- I think that's pretty much it. Okay, good. <laughs> if, if it isn't enough. All right, so I'm going to end with Bruce because, um, you know, I – You got to. Yeah, you got to, right? In the days of despair, you can grow hard till you close your mind and empty your heart. If you find yourself staring in the abyss, hold tight to your loved ones and remember this. This shield protects your sacred heart. The sword will defend what comes in the dark. Should you grow weary on the battlefield, do not despair. Our love is real. And it's like he wrote this for us. Amen. Thank you, Rob. I know I love you. I appreciate it. I love you too, Jesse. And we will talk to you soon. All right, man. Take care. Stay safe. Oh, so we didn't even talk about the card. <laughs> no, we didn't. Oh, I forgot all about it. So um, I'm only having... are you liking it? Uh, there, there are episodes. I'm liking it the more the, the longer I stick with it, the more I like it. The, the first couple episodes, I really loved the pilot, and then the second mm-hmm. episode, I was like, I don't know if this is for me. And then I'm progressively sort of rewarming to it. I really want to like it. Why did you decide if you weren't a Star Trek person to watch Picard? Uh, I mean, mainly because. The executive producer and one of the main writers on the show is Michael Shaban, who's one of my favorite writers. Okay. Um, he wrote um, two of my all-time favorite novels. One, one is uh, the the Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, and also yes. Wonder Boys. Um, I love both of those books so much, and I his writing is just I I'm, I'm blown away by his ability to write. And so yeah. I basically just based on his involvement in the show, I was like, I'm gonna give this a shot. Also, I'm like, I realized like I'm not alone in this, but there's sort of like a um. Patrick Stewart Renaissance that I think we're all sort yeah. of having right now, and I, I kind of wanted to kind of be on the on the bandwagon for that mm-hmm. as well. Well, um, I I I ended up seeing all of them. I loved it. Um, I agree with you. The first couple of like the second and third episodes struggled a little bit, so you're not. And I'm a huge Star Trek fan, but as it gets through, uh, I think it really sells itself. And so I would be curious to know what you think of it at the end. So I. I'm liking – what I did not know for the first few episodes is that these first few episodes are basically we're getting the band together. Yes. You know, like it's 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 assembling the team, and I didn't yes. understand that at first because the first episode was not that. The first episode was like who is this person and what is the mystery around this yeah. person, and then it becomes a – I got to assemble a crew, yeah. which is awesome. Now that I know that, I like those episodes more now yeah. that I know that that's what they're going to do. And it's, you know? it's a little bit – um, it's Star Trek Firefly, right? They're they're grabbing this yeah. band of misfits together for sure. <clears throat> they're all kind of nice. And um, so, do you watch the Will Wheaton post episode discussion? No, I didn't know there was that. So, do a search. It's a little hard to find, but it's free. Um, though it obviously you have CBS, um, you, you you're watching it. But there is he does a 30 minute post mortem where he talks about the episode, they give some behind-the-scenes, and he interviews a Ooh. cast member. And it's really, really good. So that'll give oh, you some that's context. Gonna, I will enjoy that a lot. Okay, the okay. next time I watch, because I just finished the episode. I don't know if I should... Well, I guess we're not recording, right? Yeah, so no. I, I, I just finished the episode where the Alice and Pill character like takes the turn and she kills the guy in yeah. the examination room, and that's how it ended. Yeah. So that's the last one I saw. And I think that was, so far, I think that's the best episode so far. So, yeah, I agree. And it continues to progress. Yeah, so, and, yeah. and I liked her in Newsroom. So I like I, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's, she's, it's a great cast. So cool. She's on Devs. Do you, 
Do you watch Devs? No. Devs is fascinating. You should, we should get we should have another episode where we talk about TV. We okay. Should, you you got to watch Devs. Devs is bonkers. All right. And it is and she, she is in it. it. It's basically like Twin Peaks meets Silicon Valley. Okay. And uh, it's it's bananas. So if you okay. it's on um if you have Hulu it's on it's on FX on All Hulu. Right. So. I will check that out. All right. Uh, yeah. Maybe in a week or two we'll do this again. Yeah, this let time me know. we'll talk TV. Yeah, I'll, right. uh, I'll I'll catch up on Picard, and I'm I'm a little bit behind on devs also, so I'll I'll, I'll do my best to catch up on Picard and devs, and maybe we can we can spend some time talking about this. Sounds good, my friend. Stay safe. I appreciate you. Right. I appreciate you too, Jesse. Have a good okay. one, man. You too. Bye bye. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading. Lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Fed Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.